0: الحمد لله kafa wa salaat على عباده خصوصا على وخاتم النبي محمد الامين وعلى اله وصحبه We begin in Allah's blessed last- 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 name we praise him and we glorify him, as he ought to be praised and glorified. And we pray for peace and for blessings on all his noble messengers, and in particular on the last of them all, the blessed Prophet Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. As I Speak to you, I would like you to fill out the form, put your name, put your 34 in contact, put the day of the week which is convenient for you to attend the class, and put the time. Maybe another time, maybe time, put the time which is convenient for you. And then pass the form to the end of the table where they can be connected. While I'm speaking, you can do this in channel. Let us begin by trying to assess how important is this class How important is the class on the Qur'an? How important is the class on the Qur'an? And then how important is the class on this surah of the Qur'an? When we have done that, then we can give you a look at what is to come the classes which lie ahead of us inshallah. And I want to pray that Allah is so blessed this event that you will find this class to be the most exciting experience in Trinidad's Muslim community over the next few months inshallah. If you were to Attempt to explain to someone how important is the Quran. I would suggest that you use three ayat of the Quran. Now you can take down the first one. It is one that you know very well. It is Surah Al-Tin, in which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Wa wa wa Turi وَهَذَا الْبَلَدِ And then he says لَقَلْ خَلَقَنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ التقويم. This is surah. A surah whose name is Surah al He was always referred to a surah of the Quran by the name. By the name. And then you can mention the number. Because the surah has a name. The number is ninety-five, Surah number ninety-five, and the Ayah is number four. You all know it. Surely, most certainly, we have created mankind with perfection. In the best of forms, a perfect creation, mankind. Then we can go to another surah and another ayah. This one is surah dhaqir. It is surah number 14. And the ayah of the verse is 57. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us something about ourselves. In relation to the creation of the heavens and the earth. You think you are important? You think that you are the crown of creation? Let me tell you. <laughs> he says, La samawati the nas." وَلَكِنْ أكثر النَّاسِ لا يَعْلَمُونَ Certainly the creation of the heavens and of the earth is a greater achievement, greater accomplishment than the creation of mankind. But most people don't know this. They don't understand this. Alright. Now we're trying to understand how important is the Qur'an and therefore how important is the study of the Qur'an. The third ayah or verse comes from Surah Al-Hashan it is Surah number 59 and the ayah is number 21 and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says something astonishing, astonishing. He says, "لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن, لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل, were to send down this Quran, or to send down this Quran." on a mountain. مِنْ خَشْيَةِ اللَّهِ You will see that mountain shaking and shivering out of the fear of Allah. وَتِلْكَ لِلنَّاسِ لَعَلَّهُمْ And we teach you these lessons that you may think and you might ponder and you might reflect. And so, if the heavens and the earth are a greater creation than mankind, the Qur'an is a greater achievement than the mountain. Because the mountain shakes and shivers. And so, there is nothing in the universe, nothing in the universe to compare with importance, in importance with the Qur'an. Now we can understand the hadith that Maulana Sulaimani quoted. <laughs> the best of you is he who does what you are doing now, who studies the Quran. The best. Who studies the Quran and who teaches it to others. And so to gather together for the purposes of studying the Qur'an is the best possible gathering you can ever have. That is the importance of this class in which we are seeking to study the Qur'an. Now what about this surah, the importance of this surah? There is a handout that I have here which is a chapter from my book that I'm now writing. This is why I'm teaching the class to help you by writing the book. The book is on in the Modern Age and this is the chapter of the book. What you'll do is, before you leave every class, you'll indicate that you want a copy and someone will photocopy Bring it for you the next class and then you pay whatever is the cost of the Quran. Mm-hmm. In this chapter, we see there's a very nice story which records an incident in which the Prophet ordered one of his companions to memorize Surah Al Surah number 16, the surah entitled The Cave. But I'm not going to read the story to you because you can read it yourself, inshallah And then there's another incident in which a companion was reciting Surah Al Kaf in the morning time, early before wajib, and his horse was tied next to him. And then a cloud came down. And the cloud spread over this man who was reciting. And the cloud kept on coming down closer and yet closer. Until the horse started jumping. As if the horse horse was afraid of something. So when it was the time of uh, fudge, the man went to the musket. After the Salat, he went to the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu alaihi wa sallam, and he told him about what happened. The Prophet, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, replied and he said, that was a sakina. Sakina, peace and tranquility. He said that was sakina, which is coming down because of the recitation." The Quran. Now this could be Sakina because of the Quran or it could be Sakina because of the Surah of the Quran which was being recited. I believe both possibilities are there. The Prophet himself sallallahu wa ta'ala is reported to have said the hadith is recorded in all the ahadith are quoted so far are from Sahih Bukhari. The Surah al Kaf is one of the first surahs of the Quran that he memorized. But now we come to the interesting part of our discussion. How important is the class one surah to hadith is recorded in the Sunan of Tirmizi. Narrated by Abu Sa'id radiya anhu. And the Prophet sallallahu ta'ala alayhi said, if anyone recites Surah Al-Kahf on Yawm al a in life will shine brightly for him until the next humah. You've read the flyer for this class, so you've already read that hadith. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri r.a. reported that the Messenger of Allah wa sallam, said this is recorded in the Sunnah of be Fakih Nasai Fakih. Whoever recites Surah Al-Ghamr on Juma' Jawabul Juma' will have illumination from that light of the Surah that is from one Juma' to the next Juma'. Sayyid Saqib in Fiqh Sunnah brings all of their hadith of this subject together. Ibn Umar reports that the Prophet sallallahu said, whoever recites Surah al kaf on Juma will be blessed with a light that will rise from underneath his feet to the peak of the sky. This light this, light, this will be a light for him on the day of Resurrection, Yawm al And he will be forgiven for what is between the Jum'ah and the next Juma. So, it is not only a Sunnah to memorize this Surah, but it is a Sunnah to memorize the whole Quran. But it is a sunnah to recite this surah on Yamul Juma. Why did I not say Friday? Huh? I never said Friday. I always kept on saying Yamul Juma. I wonder why. (laughs) Because let me give you something about the word Friday. It's an Anglo-Saxon word. It's derived from the old German word Freya with a goddess. And the old English word Day, which means day. And so Friday is a day which is named after this Goddess, Scandinavian goddess whose name was Freya. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to this day a name, and that name is located in the Quran. It is in the Quran. You heard it? إِذَا نُولِيَ لِسْصَلَاةِ مِنْ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ فَسَعُوا إِلَىٰ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ When the call to prayer, the azan is sound, sound is all. On the day of Jum'a, hasten to the zikr of Allah, whether or not, and leave your clothes of your shop, your business. <coughs> Here is a dramatic example of how all of us, including me, including using a name which was soaked in shirk without even being conscious of the fact that I had entered into shirk and using the name Friday. No, this is. A good introduction to the hadith which are now to come. In Sahih Muslim, Abu Dhabda reported that the Messenger of Allah said, Sallallahu Ta'ala, if anyone memorizes the first ten ayat of Surah Al Kahf, he will be protected from Dajjal. Now we have come to our class. That's the first major word that is linked with Surah al Whoever memorizes the first ten ayat of Surah al will be protected from Dajjal. Whoever from amongst you survives to see him, Dajjal, should recite over him the opening verses of Surah Al-Kaf. This is also Sahih Muslim. Hadith from Tirmizi, again a darda Allah's Messenger said, Sallallahu ta'ala Alaihi Wasallam, whoever recites, Three verses at the beginning of Surah al will be protected from the fitna of Dajjal. Fitna means test or trial. And so now, in addition to reciting the surah, every We have an additional duty now to memorize I would like on this the first class to ask of you kindly if you have not started as yet kindly to start reciting the surah every Jumma If you cannot recite it in Arabic, then stop, whatever you're doing. Nothing else is more important. Nothing else is more important. Stop, wherever you are, stop in your tracks. And make this your priority, your most important of all assignments. Everything else is less important than this. To learn to recite the Quran in Arabic. If you make the effort, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, insha'Allah, will open a way for you. But if you dilly and dally and dilly and dally and dilly and then the angel will come and you will not be able to recite the Quran in Arabic. When you are reciting the surah in Arabic, not in English or in French or in, Uru, in Arabic, then the surah will give you no or light, illumination. And when you're reciting the first ten ayat in Arabic, then that will provide you protection, not in English. English won't work. So this is your first assignment. When you are reciting the surah every Friday in Arabic, and when you have memorized the first ten ayat, I want you to inform me. In front of you. come and inform me. So I put down your name, I see this one has done. Alhamdulillah, you wait for the next one. We now turn to Surah al Nasr of the Quran, Surah number 16, and the verse is number 89. A verse of the Quran that our teacher of blessed memory, Malana Dr. Muhammad Ibn Rahman Nanzari, Raheem was very fond of. Which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَنَزَلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَةِ بِيَانًا لِفُزْلِ الشَّيْءِ And we have sent down the book, يعني the Qur'an, sent it down on thee, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in order that this Qur'an might explain all things. بِيَانًا Not only does this Qur'an explain all things, but in it there is guidance. And that explanation and that guidance have come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as rahmah, an act of kindness. And for those who are Muslims, who submit to the word of Allah, and who turned to the word of Allah to seek that explanation, to seek that guidance. Bushra Allah, good news, and bad guidance for such people. For they will understand what others cannot. and They will succeed when others will not. One of the unique things about Surah Al-Kahf is that this is the Surah more than any other in the Quran which explains the world in which we live today and the world is coming up tomorrow. And as this class proceeds you will be excited to see how the Surah does that. We will then proceed to give you something of a historical background to the surah. That the Arabs, the pagan Arabs, had never had a prophet in their midst since the time of Nabi Ismail And now for the first time from the seed of Nabi Ismail comes a man who declares that he is a prophet of Allah. He's a prophet of Allah. And they don't know how to assess his claim. So they decided let's send a delegation to the Jews in Medina because as the whole world knows they always have prophets with them. And the delegation went to Medina and questioned the rabbis and the rabbis said, ask him these three questions. If he can answer them correctly and only a prophet can answer, then he would indeed be a true prophet of all. So we're going to look at those three questions and analyze them. We're going to look at the first ten ayat of the Quran, of Surah Kruka and study them in detail. The three questions will lead us number one to Dajjal in an indirect way number two to yeah, juj and not مَعْجُوُجَ In an indirect way. And number three, two, roof. Three questions. And you'll be fascinated to see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds. But before we proceed, to explain to you how the class is going to emerge, Let us narrate to you an incident in which the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam came upon his companions who were sitting talking. And he asked, what are you talking about? And they said, we are talking about the subject of the signs of the last day, piyama. And then he gave his famous reply. He said, the last day would not come until, and then he mentioned, ten signs. Ten signs. These are known as the ten major signs. In addition to these ten major signs, there are numerous minor signs. Like once my wife and I were in the underground train, you know, going to Manhattan. And I, I told her, look, look, look at that woman out there. She had the hair made up like the hump of a camel. I said, look, that's one of the signs. The Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa he said, that woman are going to have their hair made up like this of Or another minor sign that time will move faster and faster. You know it? A whole year will pass that would seem to have been just a month and a whole month will pass like a week. A whole week will pass like a day and a whole day will pass like an hour, not sixty minutes. An hour at that time is different. Part of the day. And a whole hour will pass like the amount of time it takes to kindle a fire. So the perception of time moving faster and faster is one of the signs of the last day. The proliferation of alcohol. Every airport you go to now, you welcome with alcohol, you say goodbye with alcohol. (laughs) Uh And so alcoholism and drug addiction as a universal phenomenon. The proliferation of fornication. Who wants to get married anymore? Marriage just for the birds. We living in the modern age. You don't get married anymore. You could shut up now. And when you're tired, you could shut down, up with someone else. And where children that is the accidents of shutting up. And so, zina children being born outside of marriage and it's commonplace. But these are the minor signs. The major signs are, number one, Dajjal, al-masif of Dajjal. We're going to have to give you in our next class, uh, no, not the next class, after that, next one, an introduction to Dajjal. A whole 45 minutes devoted to only an introduction to Dajjal. Dajjal, the false messiah. al Masik al-Dajjal. Number two. Take it down, eh? Number two. Gog and Maga. and Janma, Juj. And we will study that subject inshallah before the class ends. Number three. The return of the son of the son of son of Mary. The son of Mary. The minister of declared that he was the fulfillment of the prophecy but he had a big problem. He was the son of Mary with was the son of a Punjabi woman. The return of the son of Mary. Number four. Dukha. Smoke. The surah of the Quran named Dukhan. Number five, Dabbatul Ard. Dabba, creature, creature, Ard, the earth, but sometimes the Quran uses the word Ard and it refers to al Ardul Muqandala, the holy land. So a beast of the earth or a beast which will emerge out of the holy land. Number six. Number six. That the sun would rise from the west. From the west. Number seven, eight and nine. Three movements of the earth. Three landslides. The earth opening and swallowing what it swallows. One in the east. One in the west. And the third one in... Arabia. The third one is the sign of all signs which will identify Imam So that's seven, eight, and nine. And now number ten. The one that the State Department in Washington doesn't like at all. Number ten. That a fire will come out of Yemen. Ever since the Gulf War, and not this one, the previous one, 1990, ever since that Gulf War, you could see the fire, the flames coming out. Because almost six million Yemenis were expelled from Saudi Arabia, back to Yemen. Because in that Gulf War, the Yemenis supported Saddam Hussein. <laughs> see? And once they were expelled from Saudi Arabia, back to Yemen, that planted the seeds now, are what we now see. The flames are coming out of Yemen. Number ten, that a fire will come out of Yemen, and would drive people to their place of assembly. Where is that? Arafat. Arafat. So that fire, when it comes out, that's goodbye to Saudi Arabia. Here are the ten major signs. al Kahf of the Quran is directly linked with Dajjal on the basis of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. The only surah of the Quran directly linked with Dajjal. And you will see how this surah teaches us the subject that we can understand jar. you see that the class continues surah al kahf of the quran is the surah which introduces the subject of the ajur and qaul al And you will see how this surah explains the ajur jannat oh god ahmadah surah al kahf in explaining to us the subject of dajjal will help us to understand his shirk, will help us to understand a hadith pertaining to the emergence of the Now this is the strangest one of all. That when Allah releases dajjal, He will live on earth for forty days. We talk about a strange hadith, this is it. He will live on earth for forty days. One day like a year, one day like a month, one day like a week, and the rest of his days like your days. And so clearly, if we are to come to grips with the subject of dajjal, we got to come to grips with the subject of time. Time. What is time? You see how Surah al begins. Begins by directing attention in a spectacular way to the subject of time. <laughs> The subject of time. But the man who should be here to teach this subject is not Maulana Siddiq Nasir or Maulana Imran who says It is Maulana Fatul Rahman Ansarif Ibrahimahullah. That is the man who should be here to teach that subject. But Allah has taken him away and now we are the ones who are supposed to teach it. May Allah make it easy for us, inshallah. The surah introduces us to the Dajjal's war on Islam, Dajjal's oppression. And the Surah guides us how to respond to his oppression. All of these things will come out, inshallah in class after class. I hope that we will be able to complete it in about 25 to 30 classes. That means 5 to 6 months inshallah. Now one of the ways in which we judge a successful class is that the students don't abandon the teacher. (laughs) And one, one evening he comes to the class and he finds he's all alone. We pray that Allah's blessings, Allah's barakah be with this class, that there will be so much excitement in your heart, excitement in your mind, that you want to come back and you will not want to miss any class. But in addition to that, if you have brothers, sisters, friends, who you know have love in their heart for the deep, then reach out to them, tell them this is the first time This class is being taught. There may not be another chance. Do please make the sacrifice and come to attend the class. One last thing before we end today. I'm teaching this class for the first time. I've lectured on the subject, but it's usually an hour, an hour and a half long. And I've been lecturing on the subject for about eight or ten years now, many different parts of the world. But this is the first time I'm teaching the class to the extent that we succeed in having a successful class, then I'll use the experience that I get from teaching this class to now go and teach the class in Australia, in New Zealand, and in Sydney, I mean in Cape Town, and in Durban, in Johannesburg, in Singapore, in Malaysia, and in other parts of the world, in Pakistan, in Bangladesh. So my Sharing this up, this event with you is very important. for <laughs> you. begin with the blessed name of the the of name we praise Him and we glorify Him. As He ought to be praised and glorified. And we pray for peace and for blessings on all His noble messengers. And in particular, on the last of them all, the Blessed Prophet Muhammad wasallam. This is our Second class on our subject of Surah Al-Kahf and the modern age. If there was anyone who was not here last Thursday, could you put your hands up? Let me see how many. Alright. The substance of the lecture is to be found in that handout that you have, so you've not missed. Anything much? The Prophet ﷺ told us two things about Surah Al-Ghafir. is the first of the two? You hear us? You. No, you get away. <laughs> All right. He said. Do you remember? Uh-huh. Don't look at the paper now. <laughs> Anyone? Yes. A life. The question is, a life or one juma? They have two languages. If we recite, you recite. In Arabic. In Arabic. Because the Quran is only in one language. In Arabic. <coughs> Other than that, it's translation. It's not the Quran. If you recite Surah Al-Kaf on the day of Jum'ah, then you'll get new no light. And that light will remain with you until the next Jum'ah. What's the second thing he said about Surah Al-Kaf? Yes? Yeah? Come on. Yeah. No? Decide? Go ahead. If you recite, what? No, I didn't say recite the whole surah. So the first, the opening verses, in one hadith, the first three, in another hadith, the first ten. If you recite the first Ten verses of Surah Tulka in English or Arabic? Arabic. In Arabic of course. Then you will be protected from the fitna or the tests and trials of dajjal. Hmm? These are the two things that he said about Surah The Dajjal, who is he? We mentioned in the last class that the Prophet said that there were ten major signs of Qiyamah. Actually, the term is Ya'uul Qiyamah. Ya'u means day. Qiyamah means the day of the great conflagration, the great. Transformation, the end of the world. But day over here, does it stand for 24 hours? No. Huh? No, oh, no. Not at all. In one part of the Qur'an Allah says that a day with Him is like 50,000 years of your country. In another place in the Qur'an He says that a day with Him is like 1,000 years of your counting. In other places in the Quran, 300 years, 100 years. So, the day of Qiyamah is not 24 hours. It could be a very long period of time, but there are 10 major signs. Who will volunteer from the sisters? Who will volunteer to give me those 10 major signs? Not my wife, eh? Anybody else? Yes, number one, Zajjal. God and Number two, will give her a chance. You get your chance, Jamila. Number two, number three. The return of Nabi Isa, the son of Mary. Number four. All right, someone else to help Number four? Pani? Smoke. Dukha. Correct. Number five? Dabhajul art. The creature, the beast of the earth. Number six? Will you read from the book now? I don't want you to read from the book. Number one. Dajjal. Who is known as Al masih al Dajjal, Dajjal, the false messiah. Number two, God and Magad, or Ya'juj and Ma'juj. Number three, the return of the son of Mary, the son of Mary. He didn't say Jesus, he said something more than that. He said the son of Mary is coming back. Mirza Gulam Ahmed is the son of a Punjabi woman. Number four, Dukha, smoke. Number five, the Batul'ah, a creature, a beast of the earth. Number six, that the sun would rise from the west. Number seven, eight, and nine, three, three movements of the Don't look in your books now. This is the revision part. Three movements of the earth, three landslides, the earth opening and swallowing while it swallows. One in the east, one in the west, and the third one in? Arabia. Arabia. number 10? Fire. The one that the state department doesn't like at all? Fire. So that a fire would come out Yame. of Yemen and would drive people to their place of assembly, which is Arafat, where the assembly is supplied for help. These are the 10 major signs of the Qayyamah. In addition to these ten major signs, we mentioned that the Prophet, spoke was announced numerous minor signs. This is a revision of what we had on the last day. Now, in this class we are going to make an effort to study the Book of Allah. How has the Book of Allah been studied? What are the approaches? What are the methods which have been employed for the study of the Book of Allah? They are basically four. The first may be described as the traditional method in which you turn to the Hadith, plural of Hadith. What did the Prophet say, about a particular verse of the Quran? Then secondly, what were the historical circumstances on the occasion of the revelation of a particular verse? This is called Asbab, plural of sabab, Asbab-un-Nuzul or the Historical Circumstances. Tabbat uh, yada Everybody knows when that came down, huh? everybody knows when that came down. The Prophet, of Islam had gone up the mountain. And the people had all come, when he called, and then he proclaimed the worship of one god, and then Abu Lahab opened his mouth, and vilified the Messenger of Allah. And then came down this verse. So would tanzil the historical circumstances pertaining to the occasion of the revelation. Number three, Sometimes we have a statement, an explanation, which comes from the early Muslims, okay? Yeah. And these are called riwayat, that Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said so, or oh, Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala ma said, riwayat, plural of riwayat. So the traditional approach to the study of the Quran depends upon these three sources. And uh, the normal method is that you go verse by verse. So if we study Surah Tulka this way and they are say 110 verses, We begin at verse number one and six months later we reach to the last verse, the traditional method. Then there is that method of the study of the Quran which delves into its meaning, its implications, and because there are conflicting opinions, conflicting schools of thought, hmm? you have a philosophical interpretation of the Quran. When philosophical thought is applied to religion, to seek to explain religious beliefs rationally, then this branch of knowledge is called anybody? Theology. Theology. When you seek to employ rational means of explaining, justifying, defending religious beliefs. That branch of knowledge is called theology. So we have this approach to the study of the Quran which is theological and philosophical. And it is something which is important. And then there are those who excel They are experts in language, in the meaning of words, in the literary construction of words, in the grammatical construction of words. Hmm? And sometimes a verse of the Quran requires that you pay attention to its literary construction. You pay careful attention to its grammar. And so you have those who excel in this approach to the study of the Quran. We may call it the literary or the philological. And then there is that very important branch of knowledge. Okay, the law. There are verses of the Quran which have a legal Import. Fukunu washrahu eat and drink. Hatta Yetabayan alabu al kaytul amyadu minal kaytil aswadi minal fud. What am I talking about? And eat and drink until until the white thread is distinct from the black thread at dawn. Now you will begin the fast and you will continue fasting until the night comes. So we need to establish this as law. What is the legal commencement of the fast? What is the legal time of the end of the fast? And so you have a method of the study of the Quran which concentrates on verses of the Quran which have legal implication, And this is a very important branch of knowledge. Many times a method of study of the Qur'an will not confine itself to only one of these. But then you have a bit of this and a bit of that combining together in one study of the Qur'an. That's going to be our method in this class. Inshallah. And who is the child. The traditional method is verse by verse. Our method is going to be different. My teacher of blessed memory, molana Ibn Ansari, he taught a very important lesson. He said that the part cannot be fully understood, cannot be grasped, fully grasped, without a prior understanding of the whole. When you discover the thread which binds the parts together, to bring them together as a harmonious whole, When you discover that thread, he calls it the system of meaning, the thread. Then he says, you can now turn to the path to seek to fully grasp and understand the path. So he warned us, his students, do not make the mistake of ever taking any verse of the Quran in isolation and attempting to extract its meaning and believe that you are fully comprehended and grasped that verse. Don't make that mistake. A warning to his students. Similarly he warned, don't take any hadith in isolation and do the same thing. You will never grasp the totality of the hadith. Rather he said, take all the verses pertaining to a particular subject. Take all the ahadith, take all the riwayat, bring them together. Attempt to discover the thread which binds them together as a meaningful whole. And when you discover that system of meaning, then Apply yourself to the study, the serious study of the path. You will see how important is this methodology given by Maulana when we come to the study of what part of suratul kafir deals with Bhagavad Gita. Remember, remind me, you will see how important it is. Dr. Ansari points out in his book The Quranic Foundations and Structure of Muslim Society many people complain this book is too heavy. We try to simplify it. It's the best book on Islam ever written in the English language. There is a chapter in this book that I'd like to encourage those of you who want to pursue the subject in greater detail, in greater depth, I would like to recommend to you to read that chapter. We'll come to it in a moment. Inshallah, Dr. Ansari points out that there are two levels of understanding of the Quran. One he calls the common sense level, the fisherman. The farmer, the tradesman, the artisan, all of them go to the Quran and they all extract from it an understanding which is at the common sense level. What they use for understanding the Quran is the, that part of the human being that may be called the religious being. He he has a different, uh, he calls it the religious consciousness. All of us have been programmed to use computer language by Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala to be religious beings. The Quran tells us that at the very dawn of creation, before we came on earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed all human beings and He asked them, Alas tu bi rabbikum? Am I not Europe? Do you not affirm that I am Europe? Qalu, Allah. They all responded, every one of us, confirming. Yes, why not? We do recognize that you are our rabbi. Indicating that every human being by very nature is programmed as a religious being to worship Allah. Dr. Ansari calls that the religious consciousness. Very technical term. The farmer has it. The fisherman has it. And when he takes that religious consciousness to study the Qur'an, the Qur'an gives to him a common sense level of understanding, which is adequate for normal life. In order for that common sense understanding to be derived, the Quran has been arranged in a particular way, in which the beginning is Surah Al-Fatiha, and then the next is Surah Al-Baqarah. And at the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, you have this verse and then this verse and then that verse. This is a sequence of arrangement. I use a. Word that I'm uncomfortable with. I call it the arrangemental sequence. I wish someone could help me get a better word than that. <laughs> the arrangemental <laughs> sequence. Meaning, the sequence in which the verses of the Quran will be, please, by instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala given to, given to the angel, <laughs> Jibra'il a- 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 Islam, who will then instruct the Prophet. Islam This verse goes there. And this one goes there. And then the Prophet will have to place it there. The very first revelation to, to come down was not Surah Al-Fatiha. It was Ikra. Ikra. Bismir Rabbi khala. But Jibrae Islam ordered that they be placed in the last portion of the Quran. Now let the beginning. The very last revelation to come down was which one? Huh? Huh? Lakum deenakum wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati wa radhi tu lahum al Imam says this is a last revelation. This day have I perfected for you your deed, your way of life. This day have I completed my gift my favor unto you. This has been my gift to you. And I have ordained for you as your deed, Al Islam. New York Times could agree or disagree, it's irrelevant. This is the way of life which I have ordained, Islam. Where is this revelation located in the Quran? at the beginning, or at the end, or in the middle? Anybody? At the beginning, correct? It is in Surah Mahayana, <laughs> up front. But this is supposed to be the last. In fact, it was not the last. No. After this revelation came down, this was in the Hajj, the first and the only and the last Hajj that the Prophet performed. After the Hajj, he left to return to Medina. There are now only about 81 days left in his blessed life. And then he will die. Upon his return to Medina, one more revelation came down. But the Rancors don't let me to talk about it at all. One more revelation came down of the authority of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. And this, this hadith is in Sahih Bukhari. The last revelation to come down was the revelation in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declared war, war for the eradication of riba from the economy. All you who believe, fear Allah and give up what remains of your demand for Allah. if you are indeed believers. This is Surah Al-Baqarah, the second surah of the Qur'an, and this is verse number 279. Give it up if you are indeed believers. If you don't do that, then take notice of a declaration of war from Allah and from his messenger. If you give up your demand for rebut, then you are entitled to the return of the principal sum that you had lent on interest until the end. This is the last revelation. Where is it located in the Quran? Not at the end. Rather it is located in the second surah up at the beginning. And so there are two sequences of the Quran one is a sequence of arrangement that we have before us today. Yeah, two thirty-nine. I was correct. That I call the arrangemental sequence. If Surah Al-Fatiha comes first, and then Surah Al-Baqarah, and then after Surah Al-Baqarah is what? Ali Imran, and then al nisa and then? Al-ma'idah and then? Al-an'am and then? Al-a'raf and then? Al-anfal and then? Tawwa and then you know that. Okay, this is the arrangemental sequence. The fisherman, the farmer, the teenage boy going to the Qur'an, using only the religious consciousness Allah has given to him. Studies the Quran verse by verse and gets from the Quran a common sense understanding and guidance adequate. But this is not, Dr. Ansari points out, this is not the only sequence of the Quran. The Quran tells us that the whole Quran came down on Laylatul Qadr. Came down from the preserved tablet, came down to the lowest heaven, the Sama' al-Dunya, and then from the lowest heaven, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, will instruct Ibrahim islam to bring down this revelation, and then bring down that revelation. And so in addition to the, let's use our clumsy phrase one more time, in addition to the arrangemental sequence, we also have another sequence. Dr. Zari calls it the chronological meaning. Which one came down first? Ekrabi that they Which one came down after that? Which one came down after that? When did this one come down? And why did it come down at this time? Example. The whole Qur'an came down on Naylatul Qadr. The Prophet is 40 years of age. The whole Qur'an is is there in the Samaa dunya in that Quran of there in the Sana al-Dunya there is this verse. Shah al Ramadan al-Di Unzilafihil Quran. That you must fast in Ramadan It's there waiting to come down. Thirteen years in Mecca, did Allah send it down? No. We never fasted Ramadan in Makkah. Why not? Is there a reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept us waiting for the fast of Ramadan? Then we make the hijrah and we are now in Medina. Will He send it down now? No. (laughs) No, when we arrive in Medina, we meet a large and influential community of Jews in Medina. And they are fasting in accordance with their book, the Torah. And their fast was from sunset to sunset. No food, no drink, and you couldn't go to your wife. And we fasted with the Jews on the days when they fasted and in accordance with the law of fasting in the Torah, we did that for seventeen months. And so fast of Ramadan is still waiting to come down. It hasn't come down as yet. It is only after the Jews had rejected Nabi Muhammad <laughs> re- Rejected the Quran. And made manifest that rejection in their conspiracy to now kill the Prophet <laughs> <laughs> destroy Islam. Only at this moment in time did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Send it down. Dr. Sari will argue, this is it not by accident. There are certain implications in a revelation coming down at this time rather than at another time. And so the chronological sequence. I'm afraid these the big words, but this is the word that Dr. Zari The chronological sequence of the revelation of the Quran is even more important when you want to dig deeper than a mere common sense level of understanding. That second level of understanding he calls the level, P-R-O-B-E. One is the common sense level for the farmer and the fisherman and the youngster, everybody. For the common sense level of understanding, you take the to your religious consciousness the Allah gave to But Dr. Ansari says that if you want to go to the probe level, P-R-O-B-E, and seek the inner meaning, the depth meaning.
1: Why
0: has this revelation come down now and not before? He says for that, you got to take your rational consciousness, your theoretical consciousness, But Allah has blessed you with a capacity for reason. No? And for that approach, you don't go verse by verse, starting with the first verse and ending with the last verse. You don't study the Quran that way. Rather, you will study the Quran now in terms of its chronological sequence and in terms of the subjects which are being explained. Before I read to you what Doctor Ansari has said, let me, very humbly, add something very small to what my teacher has said. The chapter that I want you to read, those of you who are interested in studying the subject deeper, the chapter that I want you to read is Volume One. Volume 1, Chapter 5, is on page 85, it's a beautiful chapter, it's entitled The Style and Structure of the Qur'an. The Style and Structure of the Qur'an from, chapter, from verses from page 85 on, until I think about 97 or 98. Uh, This is volume one. This book is available at the back. This book is on sale for $130. Whatever money we get from the sale of this book, all of it goes to the family of Dr. Sarajevi. So I'm afraid I can't offer any discount on this. Eh? It's not my problem. Uh, Those of you who would like to buy a copy, you don't have the money now, you can take the book, you my students there and you can pay whenever you, are have a position to pay. Those of you who cannot afford to buy the book, just give an order for the chapter to be photocopied, and when you come back next uh, Thursday, inshallah, you can pay for the photocopied, inshallah. For all my other books, because you are students, we can give you a discount, inshallah. Now then, very humbly, I want to add something very small to what my teacher has said. He has said for the common sense understanding, the farmer, the fisherman, man walking on the road, you bring your religious consciousness to the study of the Quran that Allah has given to you when He created you with which you recognize that there is a God and you turn to Him to worship. He says that for the pro level to dig deeper, to reach the depths of the Quran, at that level you must bring to bear the theoretic consciousness, the rational consciousness, reason you have to be able to see with the light of reason to reach the depth of the Qur'an. My small addition is that you must see not only with the light of reason, but you must also see with the light that Allah puts in the heart two different kinds of light. The external light with which you see for the rational consciousness and the internal light with which the heart sees. Now you can study the Quran at the probe level. Now listen to what he says. This is taken from page 91. Why are we approaching the study of Suratul Kaf in the way that we are? He says, "The, the chronological sequence guides us not only in respect of the commencement and progress of the Holy Prophet's mission but also about the future technique, about the future technique concerning the reform and development of human communities and individuals on the Islamic pattern. The operational word here is the future technique. In other words, if we are to rebuild Islamic communities, rebuild a world of Islam authentically. Molana Ansari is saying, you've got to go back to the chronological sequence, not the arrangemental sequence of the Qur'an. And that chronological sequence will tell you when did Allah send this down and when, when He sent that down, why He sent this one, why He sent that down. Now then, when was Surah Tulkaf sent that? And why was Surah Tulkaf sent that? I have only four minutes left. We did all of this to come to this point. The Quraysh in Mecca, didn't know how to deal with this phenomenon. They had never had a prophet since the time of Ismail mm-hmm. alayhi salam. Thousands of years of past. They remember Ismail alayhi salam, they remember Ibrahim alayhi salam, because they still had the Kaaba, which was the center of the Arab world. They still had the Hajj which they were performing for thousands of years even when they were worshipping idols. They still had circumcision, male circumcision, not female circumcision, which came from Ibrahim islam. They still had the Kurbani of animals, which came from Ibrahim islam and Ismail islam. They still had I'tikaf. But their yetikaf used to be in lonely places, I was in Masjid. All of these were parts of the village of, of Ibrahim, of Ibrahim, which had been preserved. But they never had a prophet. And then suddenly a man emerges from within them. They knew him since he was born. They knew his ancestors, his family, his tribe, everything. And when this man reaches the age of 40, he proclaims he is a prophet. He does more than that. He challenges them on the battleground on which they consider themselves to be strongest. And they have no way of responding. Egypt, for example, considered itself to be excellent in magic and sorcery, Egypt of the Pharaoh. We got PhDs in magic and sorcery, And then along comes a man named Moses, Musa salam, and he challenges them on the battleground which they consider themselves most powerful. He takes his rod and he throws it on the ground and it became a snake and so he took them on on the trial ground on which they considered themselves the most powerful and defeated them. And then the same thing was repeated with the Islam, who was sent to Banu Israel. They consider themselves to be the spiritual elect of mankind. We are the elite. Heaven is reserved for us. We are the sons of God. <laughs> We are the closest of all to Him. Miracles, that's our preserve. And along comes this boy, and they say, وَنَعُوبِ بِاللَّهِ مِنْهَا He's the pastor. But this boy takes them on, on the battleground, in which they consider themselves most powerful, and he puts them to shame. He takes money. He shapes it in the form of birds, he blows into it and they become living birds and they fly away. Later on life, he walks on water. He brings life to the dead. He causes the blind to see. He cures the leper. They can't do these things. So he takes them on, on the battleground that they consider to be their most powerful battleground, and defeats them. And then along comes an Arab from the Quraysh. These are people who are largely illiterate, they can't read and they can't write, but they have a very highly developed literary sense. They honor their poets. They have a very highly developed sense of appreciation for the beauty of words and for the literary composition that comes with poetry. And they praise their poets. They can tell who is good and who is not. And along comes a man who says that he is a prophet, who challenges, who exposes the oppression of the society, the strong oppressing the weak, who considers the worship of idols to be fraudulent, false, denounces it, and preaches the worship of one God, like Musa al-Islam did, like Isa al-Islam did, and who challenges them <laughs> on the battleground on which they consider themselves most powerful. Namely, this spoken word, the literary composition. The Quran comes out of his lips, and there is nothing that Arabia has to match the Quran. Come on, all of you put together, you could even bring George Bush to help you. Produce one chapter like onto this car. And they had no response. So they said, well, we've got to do something about it. How can we tell whether this man is indeed a true prophet or whether he's a fraud? Let's ask them, the rabbis. They're out there in Medina. So they sent a delegation to Medina. And the rabbis responded. The rabbi said, ask him these three questions which only a prophet can answer. Question one, ask him about the young man of old who fled into a cave and had a wonderful story. Question two, ask him about the great traveller who travelled to the two ends of the earth. Question three, ask him about the rule. Rule. This is going to be our next class inshallah. It is in response to these questions both mother eyes. that Surah al down, and two of the questions are answered in Surah al and the last question is answered in Surah Al-Qa'liyyah We've taken you on this long journey to show you that the historical background The revelation of the Quran, its chronological sequence is of vital importance for understanding the Quran, which is connected with the validation, the proof, the proof that this man is indeed a true prophet of Allah. So there is. In Surah al kahf that which will continuously, until the last day, continuously validate the truth of Islam. It is our challenge now, you and I, over the next few months, inshallah, to go into that Surah, to probe at that deeper level, to locate that which the Surah has to offer. To prove that Muhammad will indeed be the true prophet of Allah. Uh, after the salat inshaAllah those of you who have questions, those of you who want to leave can go home. Those of you who have questions can come back and we try to answer your questions because we have a discussion. As long as you want after the salat.